1: Let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans.
2: All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call, Dave. And today, we got a special guest, a guy who's done wrestling, comedy, podcaster, Mr. Gene Jackson. and He's going to tell us a little bit about, about everything he's done so far. Gene, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
2: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Now, Let's start off with the wrestling. You did that first. You're telling me you broke in around 97. Well, well, even before that, who were you a fan of growing up and what were some of the wrestlers you liked?
3: So I'm 43. So my wrestling fandom picks up about 1985. I watched it all my life, but that's when I start really remembering and, and, and watching every bit of wrestling I could get my hands on. And so... I liked I liked WWF and, and you know NWA slash WCW, but growing up in North Mississippi, I was a huge fan of Continental and Memphis wrestling, so I was a, a huge Jerry Lawler fan, a uh, big fan of The Bullet, Bob Armstrong, and Wendell Cooley and The Nightmares, a lot of those guys. And, of course, over in the NWA, uh, Dusty Rhodes, a big fan of Dusty, The Road Warriors, Rock and Roll Express, uh, me and a buddy of mine, Tied bandanas around our sweatpants to be the Rock and Roll Express one Halloween. And so uh, so a big fan of 80s wrestling. I still go back uh, on YouTube and the WWE Network and spend a lot of time reliving those days and watching all the old school wrestling I can get my hands on. Uh, but, yeah, I did start training to wrestle in 1997 over in Mississippi. Uh, a guy named Sammy Hall who had been a a jobber. If you Hey, Rock, that's my cat. Right. Cameo there. But yeah, a guy who had been a jobber for Bill Watts back in the Mid-South days, uh, got trained by him and started wrestling late December of 97 and uh, wrestled for several years across uh, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, made a couple of trips over to Dallas for uh, NWA Southwest. And after that, I kind of got out of the business for a little bit, started writing columns uh, for a couple of websites, and then eventually... In 2007, I started a wrestling podcast back when it was just me, Colt Cabana, and about four other people before, you know, nowadays, everybody's got a wrestling podcast, which is cool. uh, (laughs) nothing wrong with it, man. I've been out of it, like I say, since then. uh, Just recently started doing one here on StreamYard, like what you got going here. And I like, what do you think about StreamYard? I know we're straying off the conversation, but just momentarily, what do you think about it? It's pretty cool. No,
2: it's funny you say that. So... We've been doing the audio for about a year, and we just started StreamYard in the last few months, and uh, we got uh, with this podcast network, and we started doing a live show every Wednesday, so that's where StreamYard came in. And now, literally, uh, I was always kind of the guy who would seek out the interviews. This is the second solo interview I've done on StreamYard. So, so far, I like it. Now that I'm kind of getting used to operating it and everything, uh, it's right. easy to use. You know, forgive the smile uh, throughout this thing when you set a fan at 85. I'm 44. So All right. I'm the same thing. <laughs> and I grew up in Connecticut. So, Northeast version of that. Snooka getting hit with a coconut by Rowdy Piper. Yes. Uh, I remember earlier stuff, but like that's when it was like that. And Hogan went a title from Sheik was like the fandom was on. And then depending on your cable company, you had for the older fans, you know, younger fans, right. business, whatever you got in your area. So it started off WF, and then I found like AWA, then NWA. And then for a cup of coffee, I was very fortunate towards the end to see Mid-South when it was becoming UWF Wrestle Bill Watts. And then, yeah. like, holy smokes, like, you know, they had like two shows. It was, like, the main show It was, like, up-to-date weekly it was, like, you know, whatever it was, it was UWF Mid-South Wrestling, but then it was, like, there was this power hour that followed it where they had like right. people weren't there anymore, but they showed these matches, and I'm looking at, like, Jake the Snake, all these guys I'm watching, you know, Junkyard Dog, I'm like, wow, the talent and the way they booked wrestling was so, so real.
3: So much wrestling back, man. Like, I, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. I wasn't a football fan or any baseball, any of that crap. Yeah. I got up and planned my whole day. Like, Saturday morning, you get up, and they had the early morning NWA show on TBS at, like, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. Then you had, like, yeah. a, a WWF wrestling challenge or something was on like the New Jersey channel that we got somehow in in Mississippi at the time. Then you had yeah. Memphis wrestling came on at 10 and then in the afternoon, at five Oh five for us. It wasn't six Oh five world championship wrestling. And mm-hmm. then continental came on at 10 and then, Every now and again, you had that Saturday night's main event coming on. And then every day when I got home from school, ESPN had AWA and then eventually World Class, and later on Global down the line. So there was a lot of wrestling to be had. And man, if wrestling was on and I knew about it, I was watching it. And if there was a show going on anywhere, you know, within a reasonable driving distance of my house, I was bugging the crap out of my dad to take me to it. So huge, huge fan.
2: I will say, and not name drop, but just to kind of give a background here, you mentioned Legends of World Class. I mean, I got to interview some names so far that I was surprised at, like we got Al Snow, Morton, some people like that. But a mark out moment for me because I had that moment where I just like watched the, you know, the World Class on wrestling like every day come home from school, and for me it was like ah, and I love that. And I grew up kind of reliving the Von Erichs. We got to interview Ross and Marshall, and the whole oh, time cool. an audio interview. But I'm just. It's so exciting! I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, I'm talking to like Kevin's kids and just to hear stories about them, about their, you know, their father and the family and how big they were in Israel. What were some markout moments made for you, whether it was in the wrestling business or even podcasting?
3: Well, we'll start with the podcasting real quick. So like I said, I started out at a time when there was not very many uh, podcasts. I did the old blog talk radio thing back in the day when it was first starting out and back then Roxy come on now so back then and it's not too bad now but like I say there's so many podcasts but like back then man you would hit people up like hey do you want to do this podcast like what's a podcast and you explain it to them they go sure because you know anybody in the wrestling business you know they like to hear their self-talk and they like to you know get out there any way they can so I was absolutely shocked at some of the you know I was able to have like Jimmy Hart and Jim Cornette Nick Densmore Eugene and Teddy DiBiase's son, Mike DiBiase that was wrestling a few years back, not the one that's in trouble now. I think maybe he is caught up in that. I don't know. I may have spoken too soon on that. But just on a lot of people from the Memphis days, Bill Dundee and, you know, gosh, Don Bass and Brickhouse Brown, all these different guys. Yeah. But the one that really got me, like I said, I was writing for this website and there was a guy that also wrote for the website named Sal Corrente. And he shot me a message one day, and he said, hey, man, I need you to do me a favor. And I said, okay, sure. What's up, man? He's like, I'm working with Bruno San Martino to re-release his autobiography. Would you be willing to have him on your podcast? Yeah. And I'm like, well, Sal, let me think about it. Just for you, buddy, as a as a favor to you, I will have Bruno Sammartino on my podcast. So he set it up and I got like 45 minutes with, with Bruno Sammartino, the biggest star of the you know 70s and you know early eighties, mm-hmm. very, very early 80s. But I mean, what a what a gentleman, such a nice guy, and man, just the stories he told just in that podcast. And I eventually read the book. And the man, even beyond his amazing wrestling career, just lived a very, very interesting life. I mean, you know, coming over from Italy. And mm-hmm. uh, I highly rate re- that, that book's still available out there. It's on Amazon. I highly recommend you check it out. But I had a great interview with him. And he even stuck around afterwards and, and let me know. He said, You know, I've done quite a few interviews promoting this book. He said, But I could tell that you're, you know, you're a true fan. You had the most intelligent questions anybody asked me that were, you know, well thought out and it wasn't just like silly, you know, he said, forgive my French, but Mark questions, so to speak. So he had a good time that made me feel really good that, you know, cause I, that, I was all these interviews. I've never really been nervous about any of them, mm-hmm. but I was nervous as hell about that interview. Cause like I said, Bruno is the living legend, you know? So that, I guess was the biggest star that I ever had on the podcast. Like I said, we've had quite a few since and last uh, Sunday night we had uh, Brutal Bob Evans on, and so that was pretty cool. As far as wrestling goes, like I said, I grew up a huge fan of Memphis wrestling, Jerry the King Lawler in particular. And so I always said when I first got in, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to make it to WWF. Obviously, there's so you know few opportunities in wrestling. Like if I ever get a chance to wrestle Jerry Lawler, I will have done everything I need to do in wrestling. So. <laughs> years rocked on I got to wrestle quite a few names from from back in Memphis uh, over that time and a buddy of mine called me up and he said hey he said kind of like the Bruno Sammartino deal all over you. and he's like hey man I need a favor I'm like okay and he's like I, I've got a show I'm booking and I need a tag partner and is my one of my best friends in the world Neil Taylor that I've you know been you know been in the business with forever which he was doing this kind of as a rig because he knew what this meant to him and he's like I'm actually going to be working Jerry Lawler and Tupelo and what it ended up being when it all came together, it ended up being Neil Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee against myself, uh, Tony Dabs and a guy named uh, extreme Brett Michaels. Who's not the guy from poison, but so wrestling Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee in Tupelo where the famous concession stand brawl happened. I mean, dream come true. And so we got to do that match, and then about three years later, me and Neil wrestled Jerry again, and he was tagging with Derek King. I don't know if you know him, but a guy I've known and worked with for years from from Memphis. And so got to wrestle him twice. Got to wrestle Carlito from the WWE oh, one one yeah. night, so that was fun. And so, I, you know, I, I never got too hung up on wrestling names. I got to work a lot of shows with a lot of the guys I grew up with, and some of those were... A little disappointing i mean i got to work a show in in 2000 this is in the beyond the mat era with jake the snake roberts okay
2: okay
3: i could worked on three different shows with him and i could tell you some stories about that as you can imagine Greg the Hammer Valentine, mm-hmm. watched him snort coke off a table before he went out there to wrestle. I'm like, he don't even bump anymore. Like, I can see if Sapu's snorting cor- coke off a table. He's about to go dive <laughs> through a flaming table off a ladder. Right. You know, Greg Valentine's out there wobbling, taking face bumps, but he's mm-hmm. back there, you know, snort- <laughs> snorting I, I, coke. As soon as you said it, I'm like thinking,
2: like, ah, I popped him in my head don't meet your heroes they tell you a lot of uh, hey some
3: of them i've met have been yeah. amazing one of my biggest and you mentioned him earlier with the coconut rowdy roddy piper yeah. one of my absolute favorites growing up got the opportunity to meet him two different times and he it was the nicest guy you ever would meet you would think he was more excited to meet you than you were him uh, and he's you know sitting ask you questions about your family and your life and what you do and all this just as nice as it could be dusty rose was awesome when i got to meet him nice. i tell you the guy i was a big fan of in the 90s and everybody told me like don't meet him he is a jerk no one has ever had a good experience with him but we went to a convention and he was there and i had to meet him big van vader Oh yeah, got to meet him we were the first two people in line to meet him and he had the big famous Vader helmet from the early days of big van Vader there at the convention. And he's putting it together, which turns out that thing was fiberglass. It always looked metal, but it was like fiberglass. And so he was tying all the stuff together for it. And and it's actually three different pieces. And he's like, could you do me a favor? And of course, every time somebody asked me if, if I can do him a favor, it turns out to be something awesome for me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> sure. He goes, do you mind putting this helmet on so I can make sure this is all secure? Because <laughs> they weren't going to have people wearing it. It was just going to be in the background of the pictures. I was like, sure. So he sticks the Vader. helmet. So there's a picture of me, Vader, and my wife of me in the, in the freaking big Vader helmet nicest guy in the world. I mean, so freaking cool. And then there were people who met him later in the day, like two hours later, who had just horror stories. Oh my God. He was so mean. He was awful. Wonderful to us. So been very fortunate like that. Like I really don't have, we met AJ Styles when he first left TNA at a ring of honor show. And he was, I don't know. He was feeling a little jerky that day and, and didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And so it kind of ruined my wife's fandom of him. She used to be a big AJ Styles fan. And to this day, she's like, you mentioned AJ Styles. She's like, yeah, screw him. You know, we've gone to between me being in wrestling and going to conventions. Like we've met a ton of, of my childhood heroes and fingers crossed. There's only been one or two that's disappointed us, but otherwise I've, I've gotten a lot of great stories uh, meeting them. Like I say, Jake, the snake, yeah. Horrible stories back in 2000. I met him two years ago after he got cleaned up with DDP. Nicest guy in the world. You know, good good to see that he made it when so many others haven't.
2: Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on that. I mean, you know, like people are humans, and we don't know what they're going through in that particular time in their life. And then, like, I can say, um, I went to this, you know, Cycle Wrestling. I went to a UFC convention out in Vegas one time, and we met a bunch of UFC fighters out there. Some of them, awesome couldn't be more welcome and taking pictures with us. One guy in particular, Dom Cruz, I met. Nice to me. But a couple other people met him later on when he was, like, busy in a yeah. club somewhere. Didn't have the same experience <laughs> that I had at a convention. And I'm like, okay. I get that. And I had heard horror stories about Matt Hughes from a few people. And I met Matt Hughes there. And awesome guy. At the time I was married, he's giving me, like, marital advice. I'm like, this is the most <laughs> personable guy I could have met on this set. But yeah, I guess it all depends on what time of the day and what they're going
3: through. Exactly. And I, and I think a lot of it's how you approach them in right. some cases. I, I don't, I mean, not necessarily that other people are trying to, you know, be abrasive when they meet them, but I, I don't know. But yeah, I've, I've done the exact same thing. Like we met the Sandman, well, Dreamer, Sandman, and somebody else super cool to us and then like two hours later i seen a buddy of mine and was like hey did you meet sand man f sand man that was the worst <laughs> oh my god i hope i never see him again i'm like really he was super cool to us he found out we were from alabama and he's like yeah we wrestled in birmingham it was crazy new jack jumped out of the balcony he started telling us all these crazy like drugs st- we're right there in the middle of the convention there's 75 people alive, he starts out telling- Oh, man, I was coked out of my gourd that night, man. Like, just all this inappropriate stuff. I mean, just, you know, fun memories. But, yeah, apparently by the time uh, they got to him in line, he was no longer in the mood to be personable.
2: Off topic, did you ever work with George South?
3: I have met and been around George South on some shows. I've never actually got a chance to work with him. I almost did. I had a promoter that was looking to bring him in and and put him against my mega star Memphis Monroe, my old school masked gimmick that I did, which is a whole other long story in itself. We met. Him. Uh, By
2: the way, he was the most awesome guy on the podcast we had. Like, he was super oh, nice. did you get to have
3: him on? Yeah, super nice guy, yeah. and has been in the business forever and worked with everybody. Oh, I mean, You know, yeah, he did jobs on on NWA and WWF. So I mean, he was in there with just about everybody you could name.
2: Yeah, he told me a story recently that uh, I thought this one was amazing. I want to say it was 30 years. I could be a little off on this, but he's been working Christmas every day since the Crockett's, and wow. he said he, he wouldn't know what to do with himself on Christmas, so even this <laughs> He found a little show in
3: Christmas,
2: going on. and he said, "My family will tell you, like, you gotta get out of the house." So
3: that's the way them guys did it back then. You worked Thanksgiving, you worked Christmas. Mm-hmm. This is what you did.
2: Now you said you're on and off. Did you have the opportunity? I'm, I'm guessing you did. the work heel and face, and did you have a preference to one? Heel. Yeah. <laughs> I've only heard one person say baby face, but go ahead. <laughs>
3: Out of the hundreds and hundreds of matches that I've had, I've probably had ten matches as a babyface, and it was the most miserable. Like I told the promoter, I'm like, if I have to be a babyface, I don't even care to do this. Like, I, <laughs> it is no fun. It feels so unnatural. Which I mean, I've always worked in like retail management and customer service, and like even now working like tech support since COVID hit, and so. I mean, I'm I'm typically a nice person, and so wrestling has always been my outlet to go release and vent whatever frustration I had had for the week. And then, so then to go to wrestling where I'm normally able to be just as big a jerk as I want to be, and I'm having to go shake hands with people and be nice, did not enjoy it at all. I always always prided myself on being the biggest biggest heel on the show, everywhere I went, and uh, you know, I've I've got quite a few stories that when me and Neil went to. Gibson, Tennessee of uh, the most backwood redneck town in the world. and they was like going back 30 years in history and that was back in you know like 98. And their main tag team there was a team called Southern Pride. And of course they wore, rebel flag pants and carried rebel flags in the ring back before that was you know completely unacceptable even in the south so me and neil went there and our tag team name was southern destruction and so we were anti you know south and of course obviously we were anti rebel flags which made us huge heels Uh, but the guy who promoted the show was actually the mayor of that little town and so our first week in Southern pride defends their, their titles and they win their match and they're in the ring and they're waving the flag. Well, here come me and Neil in the back door. We attack them. We attack the promoter, lay them out. We take their their rebel flag and roll the promoter up in it. <laughs> and we had a bottle of charcoal lighter, which actually had water in it, but you know, we <laughs> hose him down and we're just about to throw the match on him as more baby faces hit the ring. Uh, we went there for like, Three, four months in a row, and we had to have a police escort out of town every time. They literally wanted to to kill us. And then even in recent years, over like Pro South Wrestling over here in uh, Piedmont, Alabama, yeah, they, me, and my wife used to have to have like security escort us out and watch our car because they were threatening to slash the tires and and all this kind of stuff. Even in the day of, you know, kayfabe being mostly dead. But it's you know it's like at all that that really old you know saying, uh, Johnny Valentine, like, I can't make you think wrestling's real, but I can make you think I'm real yeah and and that's what you know the promoter talked to some of the fans you know after the shows, and they were like, Why do y'all hate Gene so bad? and they're like the rest of them guys are just playing bad guy, but he really means that stuff he said <laughs> he he really he really looks down on us and he really hates us, and so that's uh, that's what I've always tried to do when I go to the shows is, is try to be the biggest heel there. And so far, I've done pretty well at it.
2: I think you're uh, on to something, too, about that retail gig because I did retail for a while, too. And <laughs> some of us have worked in retail for a while, even out in wrestling, can be the biggest heels when we want to be. It's like,
3: oh, yeah. You build that up and you yeah, can't let it out. You just got to smile right. and take it. And so you mm-hmm. take it and take it, take it. Then, uh, them poor folks at the wrestling show that weekend, they're going to reap the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous, right, I'm jealous. Him. I'm <laughs> of being a I'm like, oh, yeah, be fun. Um, yeah, absolutely.
2: In one second, I realized I never had this like mic. We're obviously going hear me. It's fine. But, you know, I'm going to just shake this. And my producer was just talking about this the other day, too. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me just. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking in the interview. I feel like, what's off about me? Oh, the mic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So. laughs> Continue on. I like I said, I've been doing like uh phone interviews for like the last like year. So we're now kind of stepping up our quality. It's kinda of funny. You're learning like things like um like we had out snow way too early. You know what I mean? Like we didn't know what we were really doing. Like we just like I just started asking people. I was surprised you yeah. said yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you yeah. know. But um right. let me get back to this here. So we're talking about heel. What about uh any injuries? Any uh, major injuries that uh, you had wrestling?
3: You know, like I said, I started in 97, and I was very lucky and went years without any, ser- you know, sore, this, and that. And yeah. Turned ankle and tweaked your knee and stuff like that. It wasn't until, I guess it was around 2012, I was wrestling a match over in Jasper, Tennessee, against a, a guy half my size. And he goes to dive on me to pin me, and his knee catches me in the rib and cracks two of my ribs. I don't wish injured ribs on anybody. I don't know if you've ever Uh. broken or or hurt any of your ribs, but it is the most miserable thing in the world. So that happened, and it was two weeks out from my first match with Lawler. Oh, jeez. And so uh, I was miserable. Couldn't sleep couldn't I mean if you laughed it was miserable if you coughed it was miserable you know couldn't get comfortable at night and so the doctor you know was like well you need to you need to take off for a couple of months and I'm like well I've got a match with Jerry Lawler so that's not <laughs> happening <laughs> so um, anyway I show up for that match with Jerry Lawler and just a quick side story along with that because it goes along with this injury thing so my ribs are starting to feel a little better they weren't completely healed but they they were manageable So they put all of us in a room, except Lawler wasn't in there at the moment. He was off helping Brian. Christopher was on the show, too, and him and Brian was off doing something. And so they throw us all in the room, and so Dundee's like, well, what are we going to do for the finish? And (laughs) turns out, I didn't know, but he was actually ribbing because Lawler calls all the finishes on his matches. But I didn't know that. Uh, So Dundee says that, and I'm like, well, I've actually been thinking about this. So... (laughs) This wasn't long after he had started back wrestling after the heart attack you know okay. it, nearly, it nearly killed him and so uh, I said well you know I've been you know this this gimmick I was doing at the time this Memphis Monroe thing I tried to tie in every old school Memphis I, I had a loaded boot and I did the heart punch and did the claw and like <laughs> uh. every 70s and 80s gimmick in the world I, I did all of them. And so I told, I was kind of joking, but I was like, well, what if for the finish, we had our manager, Hollywood Jimmy Blaylock? I said, what if, if it, if me and Lawler are in the ring, you guys are fighting on the floor. Jimmy sneaks in and he, he hooks Lawler and I go for the heart punch. And everybody knows he just come back from a heart attack, you know. And mm. then when I come across, I charge him and then Lawler moves. I hit Jimmy with the heart punch. Lawler schoolboys made one, two, three. Mm. And Dundee's like, huh? Okay, that might work. And so a couple minutes later, Lawler walks in the room. And uh, Lawler goes, so what are we doing? And then he goes, oh, Memphis Monroe hitter. He called a good finish. Let's see if you want to do it. He's going to punch your heart in. And Lawler goes, what? And he goes, go ahead, Monroe, tell him you will finish. And so I was like, I, now I can kind of tell I'm getting ribbed. you know." So I'm like, King, here's what I came up with. And so uh, we went through it. And he goes, I like it. Let's do it. Nice. (laughs) And everybody looks dumbfounded. So we all start to. And so Dundee pulls me aside and he goes, I've been wrestling with him for 40 years. I've never seen him use anybody's finish. Good job, (laughs) kid. Cool. Yeah. Well, comes time for the finish. And I don't know if he did this because I called it or if he literally forgot. But as I charge him, he forgets that he's supposed to just move so I can hit Jimmy. He gives me a boot. To the stomach, ah, which catches me exactly oh. in the ribs that I had cracked, and now they were officially broken. Mm. So I run in full speed, not expecting a foot. He throws a foot up. I run into it. Boom! Gets the ribs, and I'm like,
2: "Oh, <laughs> oh no!" He
3: schoolboys me, which roll, <laughs> you know, rolls me in a fall <laughs> as my ribs are now broken. And as we're rolled up, it was one, two, three, and I'm laying there holding my ribs. And Jimmy comes over, is like, are "You all right?" I'm like. Uh, I couldn't speak (laughs) for like five minutes. So I ended up going back to the doctor that Monday. Turns out now they're actually broken. Mm. And after that, oh my gosh, like it took me probably three years before they were healed up completely. Mm. Like I took six months off from wrestling, come back and they were okay. And then I gave somebody an elbow drop and the way my side hit them, it dislocated them again. Like it was just Mm. an ongoing thing. And that's really the only injury, nagging injury that I've ever had. But my gosh, like I said, that was just an ongoing thing
2: for probably two or three years. Hats off on getting that finish approved, too. Man. I'm listening <laughs> to that, you. and I'm like, like, this is a good fit. I like it because uh, one thing I noticed that you're doing in a lot of stuff is that uh, I always remember this, even though I, know re- I, I picked up on it later. But the first guy I ever pointed out, I think it was in his book, was Terry Funk talked about bringing something personal and bringing something real life into it and i see like you know you try to el- do little elements of that there and with the heart punch and everything and i'm like oh i wonder if he'll buy it because that sounds yeah, like a great idea I, yeah.
3: when, I, when right before we went to the ring he pulled me aside he goes hey just to make sure everybody here understands what you're doing mm. cut a promo before the match starts talk about my heart attack and, and let everybody know that you're planning on giving me the heart punch. And not only are you going to beat me, you're going to kill me right here in front of God <laughs> and everybody. In and I was like, I, when he walked away, I looked at Jimmy. I said, that's kind of strong. And he goes, Lawler told you to do it. You better do it. And I'm like, <laughs> well, all right. So sure enough, we get. And so what's funny is like my dad, I've done this for all these years. My dad had been to one show. My mother's never even seen it. My mother hates wrestling, so she's never even seen a tape of me wrestling. Mm-hmm. Can't believe that I could be a bad guy. Like, nah, <laughs> But uh, so my dad and my uncle and my brother and a whole bunch of people that I went to college with that I hadn't seen in years. So there was about 30 people in the crowd, at least, that specifically came that knew me personally and came to see me do this. And all of them at time, you know, it was like, the last thing I heard about Jerry Lawler, he almost died. Like, he's going to mm. wrestle? Like, yeah, he's going to wrestle him. So I get out there and we're about to start and I grab the mic and I'm like, Jerry Lawler, you were my hero as a kid, but now it's time for you to go. And not tonight, not only am I going to beat you, I'm going to put you out for good because everybody knows I'm the master of the heart punch. And when I punch you in your heart tonight, I'm going to finish what God started up in Canada. And when I said that, Dundee's eyes got to speak around. My dad was like right behind Lawler in the crowd. And I could see him like shaking his head because I guess he thought I had to do, went the business for myself and didn't know Lawler had told me to say this. So when I said that, oh, my gosh, the building just, you know, everybody goes, you know, I guess they thought on top of, you know, like, okay, this is wrestling, we get it, but that was freaking tacky, dude. Like, you don't you don't bring up a guy's heart attack and say you're going to kill him and, and finish what God started. So, you know, we did the match and all that, and we get to the back, and like I said, I can barely talk because I'm, I'm holding my ribs. And Lawler comes over to me, and he throws his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, Finish what God started, huh? He's like, I know I told you to bring up the heart attack, but geez, kid, that was kind of stiff. I go, I'm sorry. I said, so was the kick. He goes, I swear to God, I didn't do that on purpose. He said, right <laughs> after you ran into my foot, I remember, oh, crap, I was supposed to move. He goes, I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that. I said, no, it's it's fine. I'm okay. I, yeah, I didn't tell him. <laughs> That's the freaking ribs were broke. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty memorable. My my friends still bring that up to this day when I threatened to kill Jerry Lawler and Tupelo.
2: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I can imagine. So smart <laughs> on his part to talk about the promo ahead of time and make sure everybody knew what was going on. And then, yeah, what a moment for you, man. I mean, you're wrestling your hero, biggest match, and then you're dealing with busted ribs, which end up getting broke afterwards. And your family and friends are there. That's a crazy story, man. (laughs) Wow.
3: It was it, like I said, and, and you know, and I, I don't just say that just to, to make this all tie together. There's plenty of people that can substantiate this. But, you know, that was my goal from day. Like I yeah. could have went home that night and never did this again. I mean, like that was it. That's what I set forth to do was wrestle Jerry Lawler. And I, I think I got to do it in the, the coolest way possible as far as I was concerned and then getting to do it again. Now, OK, well, let me tell this story real quick. OK. So the second here's something interesting about the second time that I wrestled him. That's right. So when when I wrestled him again in Amory, Mississippi, it just so happened my brother now now by this time my brother has three kids, so he brings his wife and his three kids. My dad comes again, and Jerry Lawler has you know he's famous guy, so he's got a lot of odd friends. Well, one of his good friends. Is the guy who played the kid who got his tongue stuck to the pole in A Christmas Story, Scott Schwartz? And so Scott comes two or three times a year and just hangs out with Lawler at his house for three or four days. Well, it just so happens that he was he was at Lawler's house the weekend of the show, so he bring Lawler brings him with him, and so we're we're in the dressing room and we go, "Hey guys, did y'all ever watch A Christmas Story?" I'm like, well, of course, everybody right. watches it. 50 times every Christmas because they run mm. it for 24 hours. Mm. He's like, well, this is the kid that got his tongue stuck to the pole. This is Scott Schwartz. And I'm kind of looking at him for a minute. I'm like, that is who that is. So mm. I'm like, well, that's interesting. So, uh, and he was in the toy with Richard Pryor, which was a movie. I was a Richard oh, Pryor yeah. fan with the kids. So I remember that movie and so, I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. We're meeting this guy. And so Lawler leaves the room and he comes over and grabs me and Neil and Jimmy and he's like, Guys, like I have wanted to be involved in wrestling all my life. I'm a huge wrestling fan. He's like, Y'all have got to talk with Jerry and let me do something in this match. <laughs> and Jimmy's like, what? He's like, well, let me do something with you. He said, you're managing them. Maybe I could manage Jerry and Derek, and then we can do a spot or something. And Jim, of course, now Jimmy, who, you know, his nickname's Hollywood Jimmy. He's done a lot of TV stuff and everything. But in his mind, he's like, Oh, I'll get to work with this TV star or movie star, you know. Right. But he was all about it. And so a few minutes later, here comes Jerry back in the room. And uh, Scott's like, hey, uh, they want to ask you something. And he rolls his eyes. And Jimmy's like, hey, what if Scott manages y'all? And me and him, he goes, this again. He says, Scott, I've already told you you're not trained. I can't have you go out there and get hurt. And he's like, this guy's been doing this forever. I'm not going to get hurt. And so he's like, if you guys want to do it, whatever, that's fine. So we work out a spot for, you know, for him. Well, then a few minutes later, here comes Brian, his son, Brian Christopher comes rolling in Mm. he's not booked. He just shows up and he tries to get on the show and the promoter's like, man, this thing's booked up. Yeah. I don't have a spot for you. And he's like, well, can I go out there and sell gimmicks? And Terrell's like, sure. Yeah. You can go out there at intermission and sell gimmicks. And Brian's like, can I do, can I come in on the finish? And uh, Lawler's like, who else can come ask to be? I was like, we got Scott wants to be in the match. No, you <laughs> want to be in the match. Like, where's Bill? Is he going to show up in a minute? <laughs> so they ended up coming up with the finish where Jimmy comes in. Like him and Jimmy, Jimmy and Scott do a spot at the beginning before the match where Scott ends up pushing him down and gets a pop from the crowd. And then at the end, Jimmy pushes Scott down, slides in the ring, And I'm holding Jerry and Neil's holding Derek and Jimmy's fixing to throw powder in their face. Brian slides in, kicks the powder into Jimmy's face. And then they roll us up. One, two, three. I didn't call that finish, but I thought it was, you know, I thought it was pretty good. So I don't know. It was just a crazy like, so now I've got this story where I got to wrestle my hero again. And then his famous son interfered. But then this guy from this movie I've watched since I was a kid, that we watch every year at Christmas. And so now every year, if we're (laughs) at my parents' house, and my dad's like, see that kid right there? Gene wrestled with him and Amory in a match, and blah, blah, Mm. blah. (laughs) So just kind of a a weird... Amory, Mississippi, which isn't big as anything, which is where I was actually born, strangely enough. Four miles from there in a hospital, we got to work with Jerry Lawler, Brian, and... Scott Schwartz, who played the kid who stuck his tongue to a pole. That's which serious. I tried to talk him into getting his tongue stuck to the ring post for the pot, <sighs> He wouldn't he wouldn't have it. <laughs> like, well, if anything, Jimmy's got to ju- do it. And Jimmy's like, I'm not putting my tongue on that ring post. He was bled on that.
2: <laughs> well, I don't think we can end the uh, wrestling portion of this with a better story. <laughs> wrestling <laughs> law or twice.
0: Hi. Fans, welcome back for another week of the five three one, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, beat it down to a top, vote it down to a top three, and then bait it down to a top one. We do it every week. I should fucking remember, but I'm all about botching intros. Dave, how you doing today?
2: <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm happy to be on Streamyard. I'm happy that now we're gonna start doing the five three one on uh, some videos. So, people can see our ugly ass faces and get to love it, people, because we're going to be at here all night long. Mm.
0: We're here to talk the top current angle matches. I don't know if you can see my shirt in the video. Oh, smooth Kurt as angle dick. You suck shirt, got it through the <laughs> pro wrestling crate. Mm. I just put it on last night. And when you reminded me about this list, I'm like, holy shit, that's perfect timing.
2: Mm hmm. That's right, baby, and this ain't, so, Dave, we're not honey, on the live show, pick, uh, so you don't have to wear your Manscaped stuff right now, baby, <laughs> not that we wouldn't, because, you know, we love Manscaped, they're a proud sponsor of the show, get your balls ready with Manscaped.
0: Nah, I was gonna say, Manscaped.com, code WFP2020, get 20% off your entire wear and free show, how can you beat that? The more you order, the more you save. Yep. As AJ would always
2: say, uh, take care of yourself for your ladies. So as I say, or fellas, whatever you do, we don't judge. All right? Do your thing, baby. We got you.
0: The first list I got for you today is from the real DSJ, Zach St. John. Mm. He likes Angle versus Juan, WrestleMania 17. Angle versus Joe, Lockdown 08. That's a TNA match.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Angle versus Benoit, Rumble 03. Angle versus Michaels, really 21. And Angle versus Styles, TNA Impact.
2: Good list. Good list. Good list. I'm glad you clarified uh, Styles there because uh, I got a few people on my list who had Angle versus AJ. And I had to look. I wasn't sure if it was Styles or Strange Brew because I thought to myself. Oh,
0: you thought. Yeah, I was going to say that's why he's <laughs> not here this week. He didn't want to. He didn't want to surprise us that way. Yeah, He wanted us to find out organically.
2: Yeah, I mean, classic match. I got to look it up. My God, they say Styles can carry anybody, but Strange Brew definitely held his up, ended up with a bargain right there, as they say. Great match back and forth. That's the way Strange Brew likes it. All right, I'll move on. Mikey and Fred from the Facebook (laughs) page has a list. He's got versus Benoit, Rumble 03, versus Eddie Guerrero, Mania 20. Versus Brock, which was the Iron Man match from SmackDown. Versus AJ, not Strange Brew, from TNA 08. And versus Jericho versus Benoit, which was... Oh, the IC European match at Mania. It was actually for both titles. And Angle actually lost both those titles at that Mania without getting pinned in either scenario. WrestleMania 16.
0: Nice. Now, the l- next list I got you is from Jesse from New Hampshire. Mm. I'm
2: doing a lot of video gags at no see,
0: but I got the Kurt Angle autograph behind oh, me. Oh, dude. Now, no, Jesse from New Hampshire has...
2: No, what were you going to I got some breaking news. Uh, I just got a list from the man himself, AJ Supreme's Rudy, 11th hour. <laughs> so, it popped me. So, by all means, let Jesse get it in. Jesse's main event, but I just want you to know, 11th hour. No, no, we- no.
0: AJ, AJ's going to get a true running. Okay, all right, all right. All right, all right. The devil. That's, fair. that's fair, that's fair,
2: because Jesse deserves the lowest spot. All right, so AJ, Strange Brew. He has Kurt versus Taker. SmackDown, uh, 2003, September 4th. Kurt defending the world title. Fatal 4-Way, Kurt versus Edge versus Benoit versus Eddie. December Smith. December 5th, SmackDown. You know, I, can, I only can imagine he's doing these from memory. <laughs> um, all right, he's got versus Shade at King of the Ring, 2001. Uh, Shawn Michaels,
0: WrestleMania,
2: WrestleMania 21. And at number one, it's the Royal Rumble 2003. It's, okay, I think these last couple actually were. I think he struggled for the, the first two because he did not remember December 5th or oh. <laughs> any of that other shit in the beginning. Mm. But those last couple are probably pretty legit. I was actually with him when we saw the Royal Rumble 03 match. And I remember both of us, Not really thinking Benoit was going to win the title, but just losing our damn minds as the match was going on because they did such a good job with it. But anyway, Strange Brew, 11th hour. He comes in, runs it in. That's what he does. Back in progress. Jesse, our main man. That
0: might might be his gimmick now, but back to Jesse. Angle versus Rock versus Triple H, SummerSlam 2000. Angle versus Michaels, WrestleMania 21. Angle vs. Undertaker, No Way Out, 06. Angle vs. Benoit vs. Jericho, WrestleMania 2000. And Angle vs. Shane, King of the Ring, 01. We're starting nice. to see a lot of familiar pop
2: out. I thought I was getting another uh, another run in here for a second. But uh, <laughs> turns He's out... He's going to
0: click the link. He's like, I'm actually going to show up.
2: Yeah. You never know, man. Yeah, you know, there's so many good, good, good Kurt Angle matches. It was an interesting topic that a non-wrestling fan actually mentioned to me jokingly because he uh, got introduced to Kurt Angle, and he saw Kurt Angle on Duck Dynasty, and he knows I'm a pro-wrestling fan, and he started talking about Kurt Angle, and he's like, yeah, you should do a top five Kurt Angle matches. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's actually a great idea because Kurt's just got – Such a long list of great matches that had to do it. Now, did he bring us a list? No, I asked him, and he did tell me he would not let me down. Well, he was wrong. He let me down. So when you see this, because I know he checks this out sometimes, (laughs) you let me down. You embarrassed me. You embarrassed me in front of my friends. You disrespected me.
0: That man's been working on your house. He floor, and you're going to disrespect a man like that?
2: because he works on my house is the only reason why he can't get fired. All right. That and I don't really pay him a ton of money. So yeah, it's fine. <laughs> all
0: right. I'm pretty sure that's why we're cave in his name. Too. Yeah. 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 I won't, He's I won't, won't put him on the spot. List. Yeah.
2: <laughs> love that guy. Although there's some great stories about him behind the scenes that, uh, <laughs> you know, my ex wife might have been like <laughs> one of his. Uh, he was actually, that was going to be like his girlfriend. He was going for that, by the way. No shit. True story. You know, he never told me, but yeah, he went away to college, started training. He was getting himself in shape. And then this old creepy guy who he never thought would have a chance with her, boom. <laughs> what you doing, honey? You want to go on a date? Yeah, now we're getting married. What's up? <laughs> yeah. We got divorced. What are you going to fucking do? (laughs) Anyway, we're taking a segue down here. That's a shoot, brother. That's a shoot. Sorry about your damn luck. (laughs) All right, you Duck Dynasty motherfucker. I got a list for you. (laughs) Mike Flynn. All right. He's got Taker at the No Way Out pay-per-view. Brock at Mania 19. Samoa Joe, Lockdown. Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. I believe that's the Iron Man match he's talking about. And uh, HBK at Mania 21. Yeah, All right, a couple things jumping off here with these lists to me personally is Kurt had such a great run in TNA. You're seeing those matches with Samoa Joe jump out here. And in WWE, there's so many great matches. It's really interesting because you're seeing HBK, you're seeing Benoit, but you're also seeing like random three-ways you would never see a lot of times on this list because Kurt was just that good that even these random three-ways that might have been on SmackDown or Raw, they made the list. He's, you just, he was must-see TV at the time.
0: Yeah, we definitely have a few people with matches that pop up at various points now. Volentown has a very interesting list. Angle versus Benoit, Rumble 03. Angle and Benoit versus Edge and Mysterio, 02. Mm. Angle versus Shane, King of the Ring 01. Angle versus Michaels at Mania, 21. And he caps off his list with the match where Engel won a gold medal with a broken friggin' neck. And it's arguably got to be on his best matches.
2: I'm sure it's it the is. It's biggest
0: one people would necessarily think of, but it has that legitimacy to it.
2: I mean, it's not going to win. It's not going to make the final three. But, yes, I bet you it's on Kurtz. One of Kurtz's top three. Probably his top one. I bet that's his favorite match of all time.
0: Yeah, I, got, I see it pop up on one list.
2: Oh no shit! Ooh, I wonder if that's you, you old snake in the grass. <laughs> Let me. Uh...
0: That's definitely me because I'm gonna put my AJ stuff right out there. I was struggling to come up with the list, and when I saw that on Scott's list, I'm like, that's fucking perfect. So I... you're gonna have to wait to hear what else. I put oh, on I,
2: I can't wait. All right, I got myself. I got Randy Oska right like, here. I wait one list, so it's fine. Randy, I was oh, gonna sure. first, baby. Main event time, all right? <laughs> Co-main event, whatever. It's a, it's a three-way main event, all right? <laughs> Randy's up there. He's got Samoa Joe Lockdown 08, Lesnar Iron Man match from SmackDown, Austin SummerSlam 2001, AJ Styles Hard Justice 2008, and The Rock versus Rock versus Taker Vengeance 02. Again, we're seeing a lot of angle AJ Styles matches make the list. And that doesn't even count. Like I said, you had that a- angle versus AJ Strangebrew that I know made the loop in the Florida circuit back there, around you know, oh 0- you know, oh <laughs> one you know, AJ was rounding up his career a little bit, you know, he was finishing up, and he got that grow- great little um, run with Kurt on a couple matches that not many people know about. WWE gave Kurt some time off so he could live his dream. It's gonna run, baby.
0: He was working some VFWs and armories along the hand handle.
2: They tore it down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I'm going to bring you my list next. Oof. I got Angle versus Samoa Joe, Lockdown 08. Triple H for Rumble 01. Shane versus Angle, King of the Ring 01. Angle versus Austin at Unforgiven 01. I just watched that this morning, and that was mm. a hell of a match. And it was. Broken Neck Gold Medal match. I got to give it to him.
2: Yeah, he did it. He did it, baby. Broken Neck. Duck Dynasty, this guy's done it all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, which is bigger on his resume, do you think? you think he still uh, talks about Duck Dynasty?
2: No. <laughs> he gives a shit about that. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, Team Floor, when they see this. <laughs> By the way, Joe, I'm going to give you a heads up. We're going to uh, leave this all in here, and you'll decide afterwards when you watch this. But it is coming out a little choppy today, so you might end up... You know, Just so you know, all our work could be for naught. Yeah. I'm going to let you make that choice, though.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I'm hearing it a little bit. I think it's because I didn't update the browser on the phone, mm. and or I didn't update the software on the phone, and okay. the browser doesn't support that. So I was hoping it wasn't going to be too bad, but apparently shit sucks.
2: We'll see. We'll see what you think when we get on there. Just, this ain't going on Patreon yet. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we are not Patreon ready. <laughs> <laughs> We don't bullshit you here. I mean, most of us don't. AJ, what's up, baby? All right. <laughs> I'm going to give my final list. <laughs> main event time. HBK at uh, WrestleMania 21. And also HBK at Vengeance. I believe it was 2005 was the year. But it was the WrestleMania rematch at Vengeance. Another great match. Him and Shawn absolutely killed it every time they wrestled. Uh, I also had... Uh, versus Rock versus Taker and Vengeance 2002. To me, that was one of the best triple threat matches of all time. And I actually have his first match with Samoa Joe. I want to say it was a Genesis pay-per-view. I forgot to write it down, but it was 2006. And it was right when he was coming in TNA. And although a lot of people put his match with Joe at uh, lockdown as, as the best match, and it probably was a better match personally at that time, TNA was building up Samoa Joe so well. And he was undefeated. I want to say maybe for about a year, but he was just killing people. <clears throat> he looked awesome. And then out of nowhere, TNA ends up signing Kurt Angle because Kurt had his falling out with WWE. And what's the first match they set up? The unstoppable Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. To me, I always remember that. I thought that was a real change of moment for TNA. And honestly, I thought it was going to be a time where, you know, maybe they uh, stepped out of. I don't want to say out of the shadow of WWE, but I I thought they were going to make some bigger strides in what they ended up doing. And Royal Rumble 03, as I talked about earlier, watching that with AJ, um, that's one of my favorite matches of all time with Chris Benoit. I think absolutely. like They did such a good job of building that match. There's brawling, angles, and Benoit are chain wrestling. The chain wrestling Benoit and Angle could do was off this planet. It's just the best I've ever seen. So,
0: Yeah, Really the thing about Kurt Angle as a wrestler that he breathed that life into TNA for that period that he was there. And you could argue he carried him on his back for a while. No doubt. No doubt. Cost, but I guess that's the cost of doing business.
2: My man, Kurt. We love you, Kurt. Duck like Dynasty.
0: <laughs> now, Dave, what match did you see pop up on a lot of lists? Angle versus Shane was one that was obvious to me.
2: Yeah, I had a couple. That one, Angle versus, uh Samoa Joe, Lockdown 08, I thought popped up a few times. Angle yeah, versus I
0: was a- really surprised that a TNA one would pop up, because you would think the popularity of WWE would kind of overshadow the memory of anything he did with Impact.
2: I think that was such a tremendous run he had, and I think that was like... The highlight of, you know, the era of TNA wrestling. Also, I got to say uh, his match with HBK at Mania 21 and his Benoit match at Rumble 3 were the matches I thought overall that stuck out to me.
0: This is going to be a hard one to do because you were at the Rumble correct?
2: I wasn't there. I watched it on pay-per-view, but it was tremendous.
0: Oh, you watched it with AJ. So yes. you're going to have that kind of bias about it. Right. bit. Be- mm. I think it's hard, but I want to give it to him versus Michaels at Mania. Okay. Just because of Michael's incredible WrestleMania run and that angle was to get in there as a part of it, I think gives it a real... You could argue for it being first.
2: There's a now, great down- special on the WWE Network uh, called WWE uh, Untold, and they look back at uh, the stories of certain like feuds and matches, and they actually... Talk about that match with Kurt and HBK at uh, 21. It's gold for anyone who wants to check it out just because the chemistry those two had was undeniable.
0: Definitely. Now, our top three consists of Angle versus Shane, Angle versus Joe, Angle versus Michael. This is always the toughest question. Mm -hmm. Who's the first to go? And I think it's going to be the first time in a while that the last one is doesn't get booted.
2: No, it won't be. I'm going to... As much as it was a spectacle as much as it was probably one of the most hard-hitting things uh, in WWE around that time period, as much as it was probably one of the few matches that legitimately Vince McMahon probably thought of going out there and just stopping, I am not going to put Angle and Shane with the other two matches. Just because the work that he did with Joe and the work he did with HBK are on different levels. Although, don't get me wrong, what he did with Shane was awesome. I look at that as more of a spectacle. It's, it's up there, though, but still. The, what he did with Joe and what he did HPK, HBK, different levels, son. There's levels to this game.
0: Definitely. Now, that we get down that it's one versus one, hold on, because I'm finding it very hard to make a decision on who I would think, because both these matches are amazing, mm. and it's like I almost don't want to pick against the other one.
2: Right. Two different things here. Samoa Joe in that lockdown match, they put on a probably one of the best style, MMA style pro wrestling matches. And, you know, you had the cage, and they both had on, like, shorts like you would wear, like an MMA contest. It was really good, and it was really something different. However, at the end of the day, for me personally, classic wrestling matches, storytelling, back and forth action. You ain't gonna get better, than HBK and Kurt Angle. It's a shame they didn't have more matches. It could have been that era's Steamboat versus Flair. They were that damn good. I don't know if their bodies could have took what they were probably going to do all the time. But, yeah, for me, that's the best match of all time.
0: See, and I was leaning towards Lockdown 08 just because I think it's weird. I'm not into MMA, but I like that style of pro wrestling. It's different. And... Since, yeah, it is, and it kinda, it's a more interesting presentation, I think. Yep. You know, it, I guess it tries to lend an air of legitimacy to it. hmm And since it's just you oh. versus me and opinions on this.
2: I got one. Hold on. I got an idea here. He's oh, uh, got a... No. Yes. Because since technically he is the third member of this team... I was going to see what he had on his list, and going back to his list, he had Sean at WrestleMania 21, and he didn't have, well, he did have Shane at King of the Ring, but he didn't have Joe on there, so that be my tiebreaker. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm evo- invoking yep. the AJ rule.
0: <laughs> well, that's fine, because shit, we don't have the Jake rule this week, which is unfortunate. Well. Mm-hmm. Angle versus Michaels was on the most list that I saw, so I oh. was going to give him the push based on that. Okay. So on
2: we agree. both
0: found a way to find a third vote. It is the same, and it is Angle versus Michaels as the winner. Dave, you know what the music means. Yeah. Fans, Get your ass out. thank you for coming back for another week of the Working Fan podcast We're on Twitter at Fans which is Fans Working email workingfanswrestlingpodcast at gmail.com we are live every Wednesday night over on the Facebook page our YouTube page if you want to find our podcast and you can't find it by now your ass you trying